In this episode of Scaling Postgres, we talk about F-Sync stopgap, auto-vacuum nap time, width and CTE changes, and Postgres community. I'm Creston Jamieson, and this is Scaling Postgres, episode 52. I hope everyone is doing well. Unfortunately, I have a bit of a cold, so my apologies for my voice this week. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to mention is that there is a, a live show that's coming up uh, this Thursday. So if you go to scalingpostgres.com, at the very top, any of the pages, there's a way to click the check, out, check it out button. And there's a way to go ahead and claim your spot for the free webinar. And we're going to be discussing uh, scaling your Postgres configuration. So basically from 10 gigabytes to 10 terabytes, what are the different configuration options you need to change for your database? Uh, and again, this is, will be happening on Thursday, February 28th, uh, 2, B, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 11, uh, actually, a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So I'll include a link in the show notes, but feel free to go ahead and uh, sign up to attend the uh, webinar. Our first piece of content this week is actually new releases of PostgreSQL, so 11.2, 10.7, uh, etc. Now, one of the big highlight changes is changing the behavior of F-Sync. So we covered this on a more recent episode talking about that F-Sync issue where if there's an error that occurs during F-Sync, the data potentially may get lost. So the change that they've made is actually causing a panic, which would basically cause the PostgreSQL instance to stop and restart itself. And then PostgreSQL can then replay the data from the write-ahead log to help ensure the data is written. So I would call this a kind of a stopgap measure. They're potentially thinking about things to maybe do for 12 that may be a little bit different, but basically they chose this path to say, we want to avoid data loss uh, insofar as creating a panic to avoid that potential of data loss. So normally I would suggest, you know, go ahead and install your point releases pretty quickly, but definitely you want to monitor this um, better after making this changes in case you're having problems with your file system because this may bring some things to light. Now in, in addition to that there are tons of other uh, bug fixes and improvements uh, that are listed here that I'll let you look at uh, from the link in the show notes. The next post is tuning auto vacuum nap time and this is from the Robert Haas blog and basically he talks about tuning the configuration parameter auto vacuum nap time and what it is and what it does. And I always like his in-depth blog posts where he talks about uh, certain features like this, so I highly suggest checking this out. Uh, but basically, this triggers when an auto-vacuum launcher process is going to start a new auto-vacuum worker to scan a database in the cluster to determine what are the next tables that need to be vacuumed. Now he says, by default, this is one minute. But he's had some cases where he's seen it increase to an hour or even one case one day. And he says that extending it can cause huge problems because it, it's basically you're like turning back auto vacuum off. And how this configuration works, it's like how soon does it wait to actually start up another auto vacuum worker? So if it's set, for example, to a day, that first day, it may only bring up one worker to auto vacuum one table. The next day it'll bring up another worker. The next day it'll bring up another worker. So that's getting close to the position of having auto vacuum turned off. So you definitely don't want to extend this too long if you need to. And he said there's only one case where he's actually made it uh, shorter than a minute, that it actually 
offered some improvement. That was for a table that was basically using being used as a job queue. And there were a lot of inserts and deletes happening on that. And in that situation, it helped. But otherwise, it probably makes sense to leave it where it is or just tweak it slightly if you are noticing issues. So definitely a blog post to check out. The next post is with queries, present and future. And this is from crunchydata.com. And it's talking about uh, CTEs, which are common table expressions or uh, with queries. And basically it helps make your SQL more readable. Now, one thing that they're mentioning here is that there's a new patch that has been made with PostgreSQL 12. And what this does is it changes some previous behavior and actually pushes down queries into the CTE. So for example, we in a previous episode of Scaling Postgres, we talked about this post, be careful with CTE and PostgreSQL. Basically, using the with clause, they noticed that CTEs in PostgreSQL is that the database will evaluate the query inside the CTE and store the results. And we have this example here where you have a uh, with, he just called it CTE, so a with clause, select all from foo, then he says select from the CTE where the IED equals an integer. It's going to do a full sequential scan on the foo table and not use an index that exists. So it materialized the CTE. It actually created this as a data structure and did not push down essentially this where statement to be able to execute the query faster and use the index. And they were saying, whereas you can do a subselect and this technique, it does use the index scan. So going back to this original post, they basically made a change in PostgreSQL 12 that's projected to be released when that's released, where in certain conditions, it will push down those where statements to give you better performance. And they go through and do a bunch of tests to show you how it gets pushed down and in what situations. Now you can control the behavior to a certain extent by saying whether a CTE should be materialized or not. So there is a materialized keyword and a not materialized keyword to specify whether you want that CTE materialized or not. So overall, this is a great feature and should improve a lot of queries. But on the other hand, because it's changing the default behavior, it actually may negatively impact some queries. Now, again, this is, is not coming until uh, PostgreSQL 12, and we'll have to see what's included in there. But this could be uh, something to watch over when you make the migration to 12 on what the impact will be to your queries. The next post is, if PostgreSQL is the fastest growing database, then why is the community so small? And this is from the timescale.com blog. And he talks about how for the second year in a row, PostgreSQL is still the fastest growing database management system. And then they reference these different articles on all these organizations that have started standardizing or converting to using PostgreSQL. But what's interesting, the number of attendees at PostgreSQL conferences seems uh, rather small, at least compared to others. Like for example, they mentioned here the two biggest PostgreSQL conferences had about uh, 1,100 attendees, whereas uh, MongoDB World had over 2,000 attendees. And then Oracle Open World has about 60,000 attendees. But the point about this uh, Oracle Open World, I believe, you know, they sponsor Java. There's a lot more other content that's being discussed rather than just the Oracle database. So I can, can kind of understand that, but it's still interesting that the PostgreSQL community is uh, not larger looking at some of the other statistics. Anyway, they're proposing how you could potentially get uh, more involved with the community in terms of joining the Postgres Slack channel. 
uh, following on Twitter or joining a Meetup or a Postgres users group. So I'd be interested in uh, what you think. What, why do you think the community is potentially smaller than, than it possibly should be? Uh, do you know if a lot of developers follow PostgreSQL? Anyway, I thought this was an interesting blog post to check out. The next post is PROJ6 in PostGIS. Now, I'm definitely not an expert in PostGIS. I haven't really used it. But they do have a, a reprojection support library called PROJ. And they're talking about changes that they've started making in order to support PROJ6. So if you use PostGIS and potentially this utility, definitely a blog post to check out. The next post is geo-redundancy of PostgreSQL database backups with Barman. So if you're using Barman, they've introduced a way to do geo-redundant backups. So if you have a database server in one location being backed up by Barman and another database server in another geographic location being backed up by Barman, you can actually transfer the backups between them to ensure geo-redundancy. So if you use Barman or want to use this feature, that's a blog post to check out. And the last post is monitor PG backrest backups with Nagios. So again, this is uh, specific if you're using PG backrest to back up your PostgreSQL instance and you want to better monitor using Nagios, definitely a blog post to check out. That does it for this episode of Scaling Postgres. You could get links to all the content mentioned in the show notes. Be sure to head over to scalingpostgres.com where you can sign up to receive weekly notifications of each episode or you could subscribe via YouTube or iTunes. Thanks.